This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome into Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. It is Tape Breakdown Day, Logan, the pod that everyone has been waiting for. Everyone's been waiting for it? That's exciting. Yeah. I didn't I mean, realize it was such a big deal. It's you breaking down well, tape. Of course, everyone's right. waiting for that's it. Right. That's right. Uh, that's right. That's right. Do that over the next 45 minutes. Get into all the X's, all the O's, starting with uh, Sam Howell and the offense slogan. A obviously prolific day, 299 yards passing for Howell. Uh, the running game gets going in the second half as well, but uh, there's plenty to critique. It's, it's kind of, in many ways, the perfect game that coaches always talk about. Like, we want to yeah. win the game, but we want to have stuff to work on. Uh, and and feel the pressure to know that like hey if we don't clean this up we might not win the next one so if you're if you're getting into what you saw from the offense thirty thousand foot view before we dive into Sam specifically and some of these protections and some of the plays themselves like what do you, what did you take away from watching the tape yeah thirty thousand foot view I think the again with stuff we talked about on the on the pod right after the game like it's just how resilient the team was and the character of the team and their ability to kind of switch the tide there you know 21 to 3 is a tough look you get that fumble by Jamin then you get a drive that's not the most pretty drive in the world it's a little bit of a slog fest screen to Cole Turner ends up being almost a first down they get the first down on a run by B-Rob and they run that uh, jet sweep to Curtis you know like that again it's like a little bit of kind of we're getting into the deep bag of trips then on fourth down they get that amazing play to Logan Thomas and that hit and you're just like wow that like that that the turnover to that awesome character by the team, right? Then you come back out, the defense goes three and out, then you get a drive, and one of the best throws I've seen in a long time from anyone within this organization, that throw to Bates on that cover two shot, like, oh my gosh, on a third and 13 to kick a field goal, and all of a sudden it's 14 to 21 coming out of half, you get a stop by Deron Payne, three and out. I mean, I say Deron Payne, it's the defense, but Deron no, Payne. You got to stop by Deron Payne. We, we were joking because- yesterday on the show, Michael Phillips was on with us, and, and literally, I was like, Michael, you and I could have played safety for Cam Curl and Derek Forrest, <laughs> and that that series would not have been any different. Right. And so and so then, great, great job by him. And again, you just like big moments, with big players stepping up in those moments, and then that next offensive drive is the Terry touchdown. 
and you're just like, holy cow. Like it literally it was, there was no time in between. It was like, we got the fumble by Jamin. That drive we score. Two minute drive. Like it was like they had 55 seconds or something like that. They get points. Three and out points. And it's just like that, that is something I, I can't articulate how hard that is to do offensively, given the environment, given the conditions, given how that defense and the offense was playing in the first half. And then for them just to say like, no, we're not going to do this anymore. Like, like when I was in Atlanta, man, we were a pretty good football team, but there was a lot of times where we would just get kind of get taken behind the woodshed early. And it's so hard to overcome those moments. It's so challenging. Guys would make plays, something would happen, and then you'd sidetrack yourself. You know, and I look at the two minute drive, there's a holding call, right? That gets them to third and it's, it's, it's first and 20, right? They get like a completion of Terry. It's second and a, or second and 11 or second and something. Second and 15, they have a little run, little little dump off to Curtis. And then it's third and 13, they get that, like, to, to just handle those moments and overcome the adversity of those moments. I just, like, it was, it was incredible. You know, it was, like, literally incredible to watch that. And it's just something that, like, we talked about in the post game. Like, we haven't, I haven't seen it here for a long time. In my 10 years of playing, I didn't see it very often. And when you watch week to week, you don't see it very often. So, um, just kudos, like that's my thousandth of you. Like that is a different type of character for this team. And it's something that as a fan, as a coach, as a member of the organization, you can build off of and say like, we are different than we've been in the past. And hopefully that continues is, is my 30,000 foot view. Yeah. I think the other thing that almost is forgotten in this game is how it could have turned back and Washington held on. Obviously you get the yeah. Hail Mary at the end, but there's, there's the, um, Start of the second half in three and out Deron Payne series, right? Touchdown, sweet. Interception uh, by Emmanuel Forbes. They're rolling. Yeah. Then they are in great field position, and then Sam takes a bad sack and screws it up. Ron decides to kick the 59-yard right. field goal, which is a terrible decision um, based off the game flow. Just, I mean, it's not indefensible in that you're at altitude and Joey Sly's leg is the size of a house. Right. But it is... I don't think it was the correct move. It, I thought it at the time. I, I have obviously seen the result. No different feelings now. Sure. Um, and so Denver gets a field goal. The response from Washington is touchdown, three and out, touchdown. Yeah. And then they make Denver take 15 plays when they're down double digits to get a field goal. Yeah. Like that is how you respond. And had you not had a Hail Mary at the end, like it is a clean, easy win from there when it very much could have uh, switched, you know, in terms of the the momentum on that missed field goal. Missed field goals are the kinds of momentum swinging plays that you see all the time in the NFL. Instead, Washington comes right back down, marches it into the end zone. All right, we get into Sam Howell's uh, day. How do you yeah. how do you look at what he did and and the good, the bad? If there was any ugly, the ugly. I mean, like, you know, like with anything, there's a, there's some good, some bad, and there's, it's a, it's a, it's a scale of gray, right? Yeah. There's nothing, ne never everything that's, uh, you know, extremely good. So like, let's talk about, I think there's a lot of fans that are like, oh, the offensive line's terrible. They can't protect Sam. Sam, you know, is drawing some of that, you know, like he, he, he invites pressure in certain situations. Now, like the one that Leno gets beat clean, that's on Leno, right? Like that's, you know, Leno yeah. doesn't hear the snap count. He's setting the four eye, like he's setting for a game. I understand what he's looking at, but like sometimes like that happens, like guys make mistakes, um, you know, but on the whole, I would say that there are times where Sam is holding the football way too long. He's inviting pressure. Now I will say some, 
within those repetitions, there's opportunities where I think the receivers could be a little bit more urgent in terms of winning, right? There's one where Jahan's running a choice route. He kind of skip releases. He's really taking his time. Like, just accelerate that process a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, make it super clean for Sam that he can say no right away. There's another one where they're running like two sit routes to the offensive left, and Jahan, or I think it's, it might be Diami, is running a high cross. It's in the first quarter coming across the formation. And Jahan does a really good job of pushing it vertical and then breaking it flat so it holds the coverage. But it, he's not getting to the space in the timing. So I'm kind of like, if you were to just hurry that process up, is it just more clear for Sam? And that's one of the things with a new offense. Like, obviously, there are times where Sam is, you know, he's rolling into pressure. He's doing stuff that he shouldn't do. He should be stepping up in the pocket and delivering the football. But there's also times where I'm like, the timing of this just seems a, a tick off. He's got to wait for this longer than he should. And so I think it's a combination of things, right? There's certain times where the offensive line loses. But on the whole, man, you know, like this was a tougher outing for them than the first week, and we expect it to be so. But on the whole, that I got a lot of respect for that group. And what I mean by that is like they freaking fight. They are a button. They're not maybe the most talented guys of all time, but there's never a down where I'm like, <clears throat> oh, this guy's not trying. This guy's not giving his best effort. And there's been no lines where I've been watching in the past. Where I'm like that the strain and the struggle to pass protect and run block isn't there. Like there was a play where uh, they run an ET and it's Wiley and Cosme, right? And Cosme is a little bit late passing off to Wiley and the, the end comes around. It looks like he's going to be free of the quarterback. Cosme is diving full parallel to the ground, diving to get hands on that spinner, pushes him past the quarterback and Sam's able to scramble for 10 yards. And you're just like, those are dudes that football is important to. They're fighting their tails off. You know, Cosme and uh, and Sadiq are on Brian Robinson's screen. They're like literally 35 yards down the football field blocking people. Like, By the way, on that one, B-Rob, slow down a second, bro. Yeah, just let your boys. Like, let, let, your, let, let, let your guys. They ran all that way. And if you you let them hit someone, you probably scored. Right. I know and, you're scared of getting caught from behind, but buddy, you're, you're, you're right there. Yeah. 35 yard gain could have been whatever was left to the end zone. And we'll talk about those screens more in a minute, obviously in more detail, but that's how I feel about the O-line. Like they're going to, there's going to be times like where like the Leno thing, you get beat by Nick Benito, right? You get beat and that's going to happen. You know, even week one, you get beat by, um, you know, Gardak on the spin move. If you're Wiley, like those things are going to happen. But what I am really excited to see is that they're not happening at the rate that I thought they were going to happen. And I think they, it's, this is a tenable, offensive solution like i just finished watching um i'm starting to do some uh some buffalo prep and you think our line's bad like their right tackle at times is just basically letting dudes run straight to the quarterback and like that's and that's that's not an indictment of him as a player brown because i think he's a pretty good football player but it's hard to pass protect especially if you're the right tackle in the nfl because you're a little bit less athletic all those things i think this group is working well together and i do think some of this stuff sam is bringing on so in terms of negatives with sam because i know that's where this conversation started that's yeah. the one negative. He's holding the ball a little bit too long. And it, could that be helped by the concept? Yes. Could that be helped by the receiver? Yes. But despite that, you see enough of the really high-end, uber-talented stuff to make you say, man, like if he can get that ball out a little bit earlier, more consistently, this is going to be awesome for this organization. So I will obviously get to the good with Sam in a second, but I want to circle back to the receiver point because I think this is interesting and is a part of a larger NFL discussion that is kind of starting to happen with some pretty hideous football through two weeks across the league. This is where preseason matters it's because true. in training camp, even in a joint practice, that 
little bit late doesn't matter because the timing of that is that your quarterback still gets to make the throw. Even if Jahan is skipping his way down the field or Diami's a little bit late to that, or Terry's a little bit late to that because he can't get hit. But in preseason, if Sam takes a shot and is like, Oh, I guess I got to get that ball out a little faster. And he goes back to the sideline and he's like, yo, Jahan, like I need you there a half second earlier. Can you please speed up your process? And Jahan sees that on film and you get to coach that on film that that matters. Yeah. And I think that what you're seeing across the NFL is a bunch of offenses that are out of sync when the reality that the quarterback can get smashed in the face comes to fruition. Sure. And I think that this is something that coaches are going to have to look back on. I, I have to go back and do a much more extensive study, and I'm sure some NFL national writer will do this for me. Uh, I don't know who, but someone someone will go back and look at who played what during the preseason and how those teams have started. Yeah. But I know for Washington's <clears throat> sake, like they look a lot sharper, even with the stuff that we're talking about. They look a lot sharper than a lot of teams that a lot of people thought were going to be better than them. And yeah. they played their guys a lot more in the preseason than a lot of other of those teams. Joe Burrow doesn't play in the preseason at all. Cincinnati looks like a mess through two yeah. weeks. And obviously he's now hurt again, but that's a different story. And his was injury related, but like they weren't going to play him in the preseason well, anyway. I mean, I think there's a precedent, like every team that I've been a part of and, and you know, every during my time in the league, every team that played the starters was a problem. Week one, week two, week three, week four, week four, week five, like early in the season, they were a problem because they were ready to go. The, I think the the debate comes like into full circle where it's like, where is the health of this team or the teams that play a lot of their starters later in the year? In conjunction, right. you know, everyone talks about that immediate like, oh, Terry hurt his toe. Like, obviously, that's that's an issue, you know, because you don't want that to happen. But there's also the the accumulation of repetitions over the course of preseason, regular season, and especially with an 18 game season. So I do think that's also part of it. But to me, yes. there's there's no question teams that play a lot in the preseason play better week one. Like and there's I no don't, question. I like I think the happy medium though is like just play a little in the preseason, yeah. right? Like play at most your starters a half. Cause those extra like I remember when we were in Baltimore and I asked Kendall at the presser, like, you know, hey, what what does it mean for you not playing though that first preseason game? And he goes, Bro, five reps is not going to be the difference in me, sure. you know, having a good season and not. And like five reps, maybe it, it does matter a little bit more to an offensive player trying to get in that timing or whatever uh, on that side. But, but the point is like five, 10, 15, 20 reps of game action. I don't think it's going to have much of a cumulative effect later body. in the season. I think, I think the, like there's a much bigger impact on the, and this might be counter to like, people could probably pull clips of me in the preseason saying something opposite and I'm owning it right now. But like, I think that the, the learning opportunities and the timing and the crispness of it all are worth it and there's not much of a physical cumulative effect from playing that number of reps that later in the season it's going to matter i do think there is the obvious of the immediate injury concern where yeah, yeah later in the season if a dude tore his knee up um you know yeah that's that's going to matter and that's not going to happen if he's not out there but it is very, very clear that some of these offenses and, you know, I think that's a great example of what you're talking about where preseason versus uh, joint practice versus practice, there is a big difference yeah. and the receivers understanding where they need to be on time because now their quarterback can get hit for real is one of those areas where it matters the most. No, I mean, I totally agree. And I think, um, 
you know, like again, I, I and I think on the whole, this offense has been relatively relatively sharp. But there are details, yeah. you know. And there's a difference again. There's a difference between preseason and regular season in terms of speed and uptick. And you know, some of the concepts we're talking about are are relatively new. Ta- like obviously, the choice by Jahan is not new, but I do think like again, like there's you know, coaching at the high school has really shown me a lot about this process, and it's and it's it's different because you don't have as much time, but it's there is a a learning and an understanding that happens in the regular season that as a player looking back, I'm like, Oh yeah, that happened every time we played. It's like, you're still finding what you're good at. You're still finding the runs you're good at. You're still finding the pass protections you're good at. You're still, you're still finding the route concepts that you're good at. And so like detailing that stuff up in practice is one thing, especially with a new offense, but detailing up in the game, that's where you're like, Oh shoot. Like this is the first time Jahan's run a choice. This needs to be a little bit faster. Oh, this is the first time we've run this high cross. We need to be more deliberate about our angle, our departure angle to get across. And so those details, while I do think this team is pretty sharp and I do think their offseason was excellent, like those finer details don't come to light until, like you're talking about, Craig, until they've got that live rush. And they're like, oh, the timing doesn't work because the rush is better here. Or the, the timing doesn't work because the this, this safety is a little bit faster or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? So right. I think all that stuff is going to – you're going to see some of that detail, like those really fine details over the next couple of weeks until probably week five or six where it's like, this is who we're really good at. And then they'll have another, you know, kind of evolution and maturation of the offense going into probably week 10 and 12. You know, like it's it's crazy how there are these kind of cyclical moments in the NFL where it's like, oh, we're, we're at, this is what we're good at. Oh, no, we need to evolve again. Oh, no, here we go again. And yeah. so it's, it, these are their games, but they're also learning opportunities to say, oh man, we really don't like this matchup versus this coverage or whatever. And so I think some of the details that we're talking about here from a receiver standpoint will get cleaned up as we go. And I think it's great that they're able to your point, Craig, clean that stuff up in a, you know, in a win, right? Like it's nice for me to be able to make those corrections and be like, this wasn't what we exactly wanted, but it's, it's, it's much more palatable as a player to be like, okay, yeah, I got that for next time. And that makes a lot of sense as opposed to like, Hey, you know, Logan, we need this done. If we make this play, we win this game. You're like, oh, gosh, this is terrible. Like, And then right. that stress isn't quite there the same way. So. Which, uh, as my pal Don Van Nata from ESPN observed uh, last night watching the terrible Monday Night Football, he's like, I remember. I, he goes, I'm old enough to remember a time where people did this stuff in games that didn't matter in the regular season standings. Uh, but if you're going to have to do it during the regular season, much better to do it in a win than a loss. 